This podcast is sponsored by Rode Microphones, the choice of today's creative generation. This podcast was also sponsored by Small HD, real-time confidence for creatives. Hey everyone, this is George Edelman for the No Film School podcast. And today we have a podcast roundtable for you featuring a bunch of producers that we recorded out at Sundance 2020. So we are questing to discover more about what it means and how to do a good job of it. And the people who joined us for this podcast are excellent. We, we listed all their names in the description. And you can read more about them and more about their films on nofilmschool.com. But I'll kick it over to our conversation. And I really hope you get as much out of it as I did, because I think that there's a lot of great insight into the process as you navigate how you want to put a piece of content together and how a producer or many producers fit into that picture. I'd like to start just by going around and having everybody introduce themselves and their film. And I'm, I know you're all producers, but still you can talk about your, your role as a producer since as we all know, being a producer covers a lot of ground. My name's Diane Becker. I'm the producer of uh, Whirlybird, which is in the U.S. documentary competition. My role on this film was the, you know, nuts and bolts day-to-day from start to finish. Cool. And the creation of the film. It took six years for Matt Yoka, the director, to, to make it. And I came in two years ago when, we, when he, you know, actually started making the film. So it was a long lead time. And he had been working on it research-wise for a long time. Yes. And then you came in once he was at the sort of cutting stage and starting to shoot new footage. I came in when we started the film. So okay. it was it, it took him that long to um you know raise the money. My name's Mandy Tagger and I produced a film and dramatic competition called Save Yourselves. It's actually interesting. I came on board. I met the filmmakers uh, through IFP. They came, actually, one of the writer-directors came with a different project, and I met him, and then he sent this project. Um, so he had already written it with his writing partner and their first-time filmmakers, and they were trying to uh, put the film together and raise the money uh, for the first film. And um, so they had already gone through the writing, some part of most of the writing process already when uh, I read the script. Despite my, you know, objections and kind of like, no, this isn't something I should do. I <laughs> could not. Uh, a, a good script is a good script. And I kind of fell in love with um, Alex and Eleanor, the writer directors and the script and decided to uh, come on board. And we also had, an, had a producing partner, Cara Durrett, who was on set every day and very much the nuts and bolts. But um, I was right there for all of it and helped finance and put all the financing together. Uh, I'm Lucas Joaquin. Uh I have a film called The Evening Hour here, directed by Braden King. Uh, it's in U.S. dramatic competition. And uh, I have a company called Secret Engine with two other producers named Alex Sharfman and Drew Haupt. And uh, the film is about a – it's a small-town crime story set in Appalachia. And we shot it down in Harlan, Kentucky. And um, I produced it with a, a great producer named Derek Seng. Uh, and there are some other producers who are involved, Tom Scapars and Tim White at Star Thrower. And um, I came on, I mean, it, I've known Braden King, the director, for a long time. He produced a film called Here. I mean, he directed a film called Here that we did at a company I used to work with called Parts and Labor. That was at Sundance in 2011. Um, and I came onto this film about, I guess, two and a half, three years ago uh, and was involved in the development and fundraising and, and overseeing all of um pre-production, post-production, uh, pre-production, production, and post-production, and now getting it out into the world. My name is Yuri Singer. I produce Tesla uh, with Ethan Hawke. It's directed by Michael Amoreda. It's my third movie with him, third sentence with him. The script is 25 years old. It's before the car. And <laughs> many people thought it's about the car. It's, it's not before the man, however. Not before the man, no, no. The man is still uh, in advance. Uh, and that that's part of the excitement of this uh, of this challenging character Tesla, which uh, nobody wanted to make a movie about him. It's he. There's not a lot of information except his inventions, how brilliant it was. So it took some time to find a home for that. But uh, since we shot Marjorie Prime uh, four years ago, we worked on that, and uh, and now it's here. My name is Marcel Perez, and I'm a producer for La Leyenda Negra, which is the Black Legend in English. Um, it's a feature film, and it's in the next category. 
and it's my first time at Sundance. It was uh, my third feature that I've produced, uh, directed by Patricia Vidal Delgado. And it's about a high school student who is TPS, which is Temporary Protective Status, which is kind of like DACA. And she's just unsure about her future here in the country, like so many people are. And, you know, she wants to get into college. She wants to get that scholarship and everything. But, you know, deportation is also on the table. My name is Marina Grasic. I'm a producer. My company's Oakhurst Entertainment. I have uh, two films here in Sundance. One is called Black Bear, and the other is called Four Good Days. What is the role of a producer? I know it's a big question, but if you can talk about maybe specifically your role, how many producers, I think Lucas sort of spoke to this a little bit, were on your project, and how for indie filmmakers starting out, they should see the producers in their process. Well, there were two producers, uh, including myself and ours. Uh, my co-producer, Alicia Herder. Uh, we were from start to finish, like from the first act of the script to, you know, picture wrap and post-production and everything. Uh, we both kind of took 50-50 on everything, you know, the permits, the locations, cast, crew, everything, you know. And in terms of what you were saying, I think producer role is very kind of vague to a lot of people and I think when you are in the industry you start kind of to realize like well what that entails and you know for me it's it's you know somebody who helps make that movie at the end of the day you know whether it's you know executive producer comes in with money or in my role like making sure that everything we need is there and ready to go for the for production you know was there a line producer on it no Okay, so Was there a, you, a production manager of some kind? Kind of, yeah. A we coordinator? had coordinator. Yeah, we had like a coordinator on set that kind of helped with like you know like crafty and that kind of stuff. It was a very small crew. I built the budget. I did you know the location stuff, the permits. Yeah, so yeah, it was kind of I did the catch all. Nice of it. Yeah, I, I just to explain, I think within the community, often people know what a producer is and kind of what an individual producer did, but outside of that, I think people kind of get confused about what what does an individual producer bring to this project necessarily and how many producers were there doing various things? So um, on Tesla, actually, to your question, first of all, what does a producer do? And Michael and Murray, the, the director that did many, many movies, he always asked me, but what actually does a producer <laughs> do? Uh, and he normally asks it just before sentence, like when everything is ready. Um, but I think... Um, Producer, I personally, I um, found the script. It was in his drawer for 25 years. And you were he gave going it through his stuff? Yeah, no, no, I asked him to give me, what else did you write? Because okay. we did already two movies. And I said, do you have anything ready that we don't have to develop from scratch? And he said, oh, yes, I have a few scripts. So he sent me them. It was typed on a typewriter. It was. He didn't have it. Uh, he couldn't send it to me by email. So anyway, from that, we tried to make it and... It goes all the way from bringing financing or financing uh, uh, ourselves and uh, finding the production company, finding the other producers, finding uh, money, finding the cast, bringing the cast, bringing the locations, bringing everything together, then finding a good post place. On Tesla specifically, there were many producers. After we started, I brought Eisen Robbins, which worked with me on two other movies. Uh, I brought him in and then we brought uh, Millennium which they bring with them a lot of producers, <laughs> mostly producer credits, but yeah. some producers actually worked like Krista <laughs> uh, Campbell was on, on set and signed checks and did everything. So that was a team effort that um, worked very well. Some, some people get producer credits after they work, like a line producer. If he's good, then the production company gives him a, a bonus and, and gives him a producer. That was one of the cases here. And, uh, but I think the producer does everything from scratch, from A to Z, he has to know everything. You have to be on every negotiations, uh, from legal to uh, negotiations with the agents, with the managers, now with the publicists and everything in the, in the end. So, uh, but it's fun. It's fun. As if you uh, do it well, you, it's a fun thing to do, and uh, nobody gives you credit for it. <laughs> <laughs> with Secret Engine, we produce movies really from the ground up, developing scripts, often with writer directors but you know sometimes from ideas or articles hiring writers bringing them on bringing on directors and then you know 
overall it's it's overseeing the business of making the film and doing it in conjunction and it's a very weird business because you have to do it in conjunction with the creative concerns of the creative team usually the director and so it's it's weird <laughs> uh and it's trying at times but it's also really beautiful and, and you often the great thing about it is that you through the process learn so much you're always going to new places exploring new things in these scripts um and uh and experiencing well constantly meeting new people and encountering new and strange challenges and on this particular film the producers, so, you know, I produced, as I mentioned, I produced it with Derek Sang. Derek Sang has a long background as a um, great New York-based line producer, and he was the line producer on this film, and uh, he had a UPM named Peyton Dunham, who was really talented. The uh, And Braden King, the director, took a producer credit too, which, and, which was fully warranted. He was very involved from the beginning, and the other producers involved were um, with this project had developed it from the outset and then uh, the film had kind of a false start and then another life, um, you know, kind of a turnaround situation uh, where uh, I came onto it a little bit later in that process. So that's, those were the producers involved in that movie. Speaking for myself, I'm an A to Z producer. So everything from uh, finding the IP and sometimes that means finding a book or an article other times it means finding a script, which can be equally, you know, sitting dormant for a while and you dust it off and you make it into a movie. But it's um, because my background is as a finance attorney, it came in very handy being an independent filmmaker because it's, you know, it's all about finding the financing um, or putting the financing together. So we have at Oakhurst, um, we have movies you know, that are under five. And we have one movie right now that's over $70 million. So we were spanning a lot of different horizons. And that means that the way that we put those movies together is very different because we're seeking very different kind of distributors for those different kinds of movies. So in the lane of kind of the Sundance movies that we have here, there are independent movies. There were movies that were done they weren't the $70 million movies. They were different in the sense of um, we have a very close partnership with uh, Brelstein Entertainment. Um, so that means that a lot of our projects come from organically from talent um, and talent managers. And then we also work from the inside out, meaning that projects come to us so that we can help package them and put them together and finance them. At what stage do they come to you in that scenario? All uh, stages? Or? All stages. Yeah. All stages. Sometimes they come a little bit more packaged. Um, sometimes they come just with a script, other times with a script and a director or a piece of talent. And I would say that that's where we'd love to get more projects is, is when they come a little bit more packaged. We have 20 projects in our slate. Um, at various stages uh, that are being written right now that are uh, more at the kind of IP development stage to things that are being packaged, things that have directors on them, things that have talent, and we're putting the financing together. So um, with the two movies that we have here, uh, Black Bear came to us as a script, as did Four Good Days. We put it together, you know, we did all the negotiations and of course did solidified all the deals with the director and the talent and um, did the budgets and the locations and we produced it from A to Z. And then, um, then it's a, an entirely different thing to get a movie into Sundance, of course. It's a complete process. Once you get it in, you have to hire a publicist and it's, it's a complete uh, different thing. And an agency, either you know, CA or WME or UTA or one of the bigger agencies, or you have someone repping it. So there's a big team of people. And, and so producers in that sort of daisy chain of things that you, that you do to put a movie together come on board at different stages. So I tend to be a little bit more of a classic producer, but you do when you bring on financing, the financiers that want producer credits in order to come in as, as financiers um, to bring in financing, which by the way is extraordinarily valuable. And I never begrudge them because you know, they've earned the right. Can't to, happen to be. without them. Otherwise, it wouldn't have happened without <laughs> them. That's that's right. So we look at it like a very positive thing uh, when we get to that stage of negotiations. So that's it kind of in a nutshell. So, yeah, I mean, I think we're talking about the different kinds of 
producing. Yeah, that, and you you're know, and you're kind of producing on these projects or your projects. Right. Here. I mean, I was like, my background is more okay. Like started, uh, I came up through like physical production. So the nuts and bolts of like actually understanding how to make a movie, like from you know started off doing craft service and work very well up and supervising production, um, to then developing you know my own projects bringing the financing and then actually seeing them through through post and taking them all the way through so kind of like you're saying like the a to z the nuts and bolts like start to finish um so that's my background i've participated in different projects in different ways because it really depends um what is needed um sometimes there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen so it's also about like making sure that it's like well you know if you're coming to a project a little bit later or a little bit earlier who fits the role and who's best suited to serve the project so i think it's there's a lot of of that um i now work for um a company called uh, Keshet International, Keshet Studios, and we do film and television. For this specific film, for Save Yourselves, we came on board when there was a script, and we brought in the financing, and partially financed, and brought in the rest of the financing. There was also, like, uh, Cara Durrett, uh was a, a producing partner who was on site, Nuts and Bolts, there. She were, had a relationship with the uh, writer-directors, Alex and Eleanor. So we kind of just partnered together with my partner, Adiz Roni, and said, here, this is a team. So it was the three of us producing. I think that what was great, and again, where you find where everyone does the role that makes the most sense and is the most efficient, is that we were able to bring in the financing, make those deals. Like, Kara didn't have to worry about that. We were able to support the film in that way, make all those deals, work with our, you know, business affairs, work with the lawyers, help, you know, negotiate the talent deals, help kind of close all that, sag, everything else that you need to do so that, you know, they can just keep going forward on the creators I and not have to worry about that in the same breath you know lend an overall feeling of support for the filmmakers and for Kara who's there on the ground um, knowing that there's someone there that there's someone to turn to and that there's you know experience and on the field and behind the scenes and, and, and every step of the way so um, which is different you know it's, 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 we're talking about the different kinds of uh, situations and it worked really really well Kara was like a you know we were partners every step of the way and I feel like we were able to support each other and make sure that there's always someone taking care of all the different elements that come into play like saying like afterwards bringing on the sales agent the right sales agent that we feel comfortable with and um um, uh, all part of the team, the publicist, and kind of taking it all the way through to the festival. So, on Whirly Bird, you know, Matt, the director and the producer, and 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 I was a producer. So Matt and I were basically the producers on the film. We had a number of uh, executive producers. You know, Molly Thompson at uh, who was at any indie films when we started the film, and Josh Braun who is a sales agent, but also is an executive producer of a number of uh, films and, and series in the doc space. World of Wonder, Randy Barbado and Fenton Bailey um, came on board as executive producers to kind of help shepherd us. And then we had a handful of uh, co-producers, Steve Holmgren, who has you know known Matt for a long time and was like with him in the early days of setting the project up. And uh, Greg Lanasey and Matt Radecki, um, who own a post company called DXD, Different by Design, uh, in, in the doc space in Los Angeles. Basically, they handle everybody um, mm -hmm. at the end, getting for Sundance. I think they had eight films here this year. Matt and, and Greg know, um, you know, Marika and Zoe, um, who are the main subjects of our film. And, and they were responsible for digitizing over 3,000 tapes of the history of Los Angeles from the mid 80s to the late 90s for the you know, for the film. So we all kind of brought something to the table, you know, and, you know, what I bring, um, you know, what I brought for Matt was, you know, I'm a very hands-on sort of nuts and bolts person. I do a lot of budgets and schedules. I know how to make the sausage, so to speak. <laughs> and, um, you know, in the doc space, what's really challenging is that, you know, there's no script, right? So you're creating the script um, as you're editing. And sometimes that takes longer than you think it's going to. So, you know, how do you stretch, uh, you know, what's you think is one sort of schedule into maybe what is two or three times longer. And that's kind of the exciting and challenging aspects of that. You know, I started in actual inscripted, you know, um, stuff. I went to AFI and I thought I was going to be, you know, making movies with actors. And, mm -hmm. and I wound up sort of, you know, getting a job on an amazing documentary, you know, called Sergio, which is actually um, Greg Barker, the director, has the fiction version of the film here in the festival this year um and and uh, you know i they're 
some of the best people in the doc space. So there's so many things I'd like to talk about. And I think like something I like to say, and I feel like you guys kind of touched on it or covered it all in your own way is like, it may look like producers are doing nothing, but they're doing everything. And I feel like one, one thing we can talk about, I really like to talk about the Sundance side of it, like getting your films to Sundance, like what that's like. Um, but for a lot of our readers and listeners and our no film school community, they're filmmakers who have, with the available tech today, the ability to just go out and create things. The role a producer plays or producers play in a project is sort of what differentiates a lot of the time between like you just go out and create something with your camera or whatever and then like making a, a proper piece of content that can really move and go on into the world and have a set, et cetera. What are the things you look for in a project, in a script or a pitch or whatever, that gives you the sense that it's worth taking on this A to Z journey that as a producer, you have to take something on. And I think the second part is like, what for the indie filmmaker who, you know, is a director, writer, producer, usually, what are the things they need to know about producing that they often don't, or that you feel like can help sort of like, maybe help them identify the producer who will help them as opposed to the one who won't or things like that. <laughs> I was gonna say it's it's actually what one of the things like what you were talking about Lucas before is about the um your end point there with like what finding the right producer, the balance of the business side with the creative. I think that that's really what it is. And for every person that could be different, but it's about feeling that you're on the same page. That there's someone that's going to help protect your vision and also uh, be able to actually uh, push you over the finish line. And it's a balance, and you have to make sure that you are constantly on the same page with that person. But that's really what I would say that someone should look for, because it's not just one or the other. If it's someone who can come and finance or whatever it is, um, that's only one aspect of it. But as a filmmaker, you want to feel like your creative vision is being protected, yet also being done in the most um, efficient and you know business-savvy way, because ultimately – you know, it, you can't have one without the other because if you want to keep on making movies, you also need to make sure that your movie is successful enough that you get the opportunity to keep making movies. So it's that balance, you know? Yeah. For, for our company, you know, what we look for has to be that. It's a little bit intangible, and I know that that's not very helpful for the audience <laughs> because it has. To, we have to be guided by our taste. Uh, so it has to be something that reaches out and grabs us. Then it also has to be balanced out with the, all of those practical business concerns. Is this something that is castable? You know, at the heart of at the heart of independent film financing, it's usually getting the right cast involved, to, who will then bring the financing. So it's like, is this is this a role that would make sense? Is this a role that we could cast somebody really great in and could attract financing to? Does it seem responsibly written in a way that that you could actually make this within a budget, within whatever the budget it, 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 it is dictated by the project itself, right? So you have to take all of those things into concern, and then you have to meet with the filmmaker and make sure that you guys are on the same page. While Mandy's talking, guys, that you have that you can have a shared vision. Not that you have a shared vision yet, but that you have the potential to have a shared vision for the project. Because if you don't have that, then there are going to be tremendous problems throughout. Because you have to live with this project sometimes for a very long time, longer than the filmmaker yeah. themselves in many cases. Yeah. Right. In all in all cases. <laughs> Well, not in the documentary space. Yeah. Because yeah. in the documentary space, it, you know, the, most of the projects are director-driven, right? And usually producers partner with the directors and they have have some sort of personal, you know, um, sort of motivation. And, and so it's, it's rare that producers are sort of um, leading their own projects. Although two years ago, I was here with a documentary that my producing partner at, at Fishbowl Films, Melanie and I, um, we partnered with director Laura Nix and, and we had the idea and we brought her in. And then she took the idea and created her own vision from it. And in the instance you talked about with IP, sometimes there'll be IP that you have that the, that you then might bring a director into, right? So that's another example where... where a yeah, but that's still part of... Like, I mean, I'm, I, I come from an IP-driven uh, company, so like that's a big part of our business. But even if I have the IP and bringing on the creative aspect, like that's what I do as a producer, right? I, I come and I bring a writer and I bring a director and I put the team together. That's one aspect of producing it's a partner usually 
I'm hopefully making the right choice in the person that I'm partnering with. Because you're talking about, like, also on the producer side, I have to think about it. Is this the right partner? Is this the right writer? Is this the right director? To And we are on the same page, which where that vision is going to go. But I'm a producer. I'm not going to be the director of that. And you also have to be okay with that and know that you're bringing on the person who's going to fulfill that creative vision and that you guys are on, that you're on the same page. You asked, I think you asked for how do content like people that have scripts or books or want to choose a, a producer how do they yeah. choose a producer and i asked i'm being asked that once a week <laughs> because i have a company called Tailflick that uh, authors from around the world upload books and it goes through a big curation and then we have uh, the fans vote on it and uh, then every winner of once a week uh, has uh, the, the he wins talking to a producer for mm -hmm. half an hour and they ask and and they win so if they get a lot of votes and their book is a bestseller uh, they ask who how can we go to a producer who how can we choose the right producer and i tell them check the producer that delivers so you know there's many producers that it will be stuck on on the shelf or it won't be because until they find talent uh, or there's producers that that actually deliver and i that's my advice to them to check actually what they did and what they did with projects and not where they got or succeeded because that's that's uh, not depends on the producer it depends on the, actually the merit of the movie or all kinds of factors we don't control exactly <laughs> exactly but um, so that's that's something that is very it depends that's on independent uh, movies i think and 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 books and scripts that that uh, young writers are writing It, it's very important to find a producer that actually delivers. I even look for a producer. I, I had a book, uh, The King of Oil, and um, I wanted to do it independently. And then uh, John Krasinski said, I'll produce it with you and I'll bring Matt Damon. I said, sure. <laughs> and, uh, so Don't he's a producer. So I, even I look for producers that deliver. So I think uh, from a, a content, from an IP point of view or from a writer, they have to actually make their research. And then talk and not just choose the first one that promises because we producer can promise a lot of things, but actually people that deliver. For me, uh, for La Leyenda Negra, it was a very passion driven project. And, you know, the, the director, she wrote it and we read it in, uh, in a writing retreat. It was her thesis film for UCLA, actually. And when I read the first act, it wasn't even done. I just I could tell how much passion she had. And it was a subject that was very important to me. And I wanted to work on it. You know, and I want and I told her, like, whatever you need, I'm down. I want to be there with you. And, you know, I wanted to take the, you know, a lot of writer directors, especially in the independent world, especially when they're not, you know, in a big company that has all this money, like you're trying to wear all these hats. And I think I told Patricia, I said, you know, you wrote it, you directed it, you're bringing a lot of the a, a lot of what is needed for this film. But I will take that business and like the the nuts and bolts and stuff and like kind of let her focus on the creative aspect so that she can make it. And, you know, I came in there too to give my two cents, you know, on a day where there's no fires, which if they exist, but, um, you know, I, I, I would give my two cents, but make sure that she was able to focus on, on the project. Yeah. Yeah. I think I also want to kind of follow up with something we're dancing around a little bit, which is that there is a, there's a meshing and then there's a contradiction between the sort of where the business side mixes with the creative. So oftentimes there can be a conflict maybe in like when you're working with the director and you may have to give them an indication as to what the creative vision may be getting in the way of or maybe a challenge along with whatever your financial situation is. 100%. How do you navigate that? How do you make it not the director's problem, but how do you make it a part of the process? Like say there's limitations or say there are needs that you have casting wise or whatever it is. I think you have to be incredibly honest and you have to have a trusting relationship with the talent that you're working with. That's always what I look for. If, if someone comes in and pitches a project to my, myself or my partner and they have um, an unrealistic point of view of what something should be made for or how it should be made, I think we're the first ones to sort of say, well, we don't agree with that, N not in a combative way, but just this is not what the, what the market is telling us we can do. And I think that if there's a natural friction early and if there's not enough trust in the beginning, that's usually a pretty good indicator that you're not a good fit. But they're, they're, we've had great experiences. I mean, I've made 23 movies. So it's, you know, I've had 
different kinds of experiences with different kinds of filmmakers. And, you know, just like any relationship, you learn things about each other as you're, especially, you know, the trench warfare of filmmaking, you, you, different personality traits come out. So you learn a lot of things about each other uh, in the trenches. But for the most part, you look for, I, I think, those partners, and it's really a partnership, and you have to look at it like a trajectory of no less than two years, and typically even longer than sometimes five years. And there's certain projects that take a long time to gestate, um, certainly on the, the scripted side. That can be extremely frustrating from a creative side. I think for producers, that's more of an expected part of the process. But I think for creatives, there's often like a, it's taking forever, false starts, or like I thought it was going and it's not, and they feel betrayed by the. That's just you know. as frustrating for the producer. I mean, no, I mean, I'm not like it's we're on. This sure, is the thing. Right. It's we're on the team together, and I think that that's. I am just as frustrated. I mean, I think it's, it's and yes, it's part of the process. Um, and especially I've, I've worked with a lot of first time filmmakers. It's about making sure that they understand that it's part of the process. But I was going to say about the, the you're saying about um finding the, those relationships and those partnerships. I might respond one way to another and you would respond completely differently and that's why we don't we're not all the same fit. I've turned down projects not because I didn't like love the script or think it's going to be great. It's like, you know what, what's my value add and does this make sense and are we going to, you know, 2 years from now still be happy together? And um I've learned through the years and through my career that like sometimes at the beginning I would just want to say yes because I was so anxious to build my career and, and want to make more movies and I've learned to say like you know what okay <laughs> let's take a moment and let's make sure that we're completely seeing this eye to eye and we'll eventually get there um, and that can I can I see this through can, do I have what is, or, or, you know I really have to think about that every time we take on a project so for filmmakers and creatives to know there's truth to it sometimes it's not you it's me <laughs> no, but, really, but, I, but, I, but I think that that's a I, I really think it's a positive thing because I wouldn't want to and I'm doing it out of respect like if we're not going to work well together we should and I know this now I should step away you should go make your movie like in be go with God this is amazing you should go do this Lucas might feel completely differently and be like you know what I think that this makes financial sense and I want to make it and I'll see it and be like I don't think I can do this I don't think I can put the financing together I don't think it can be cast well and actually save yourselves had a you know <laughs> they had an opportunity to make this movie with a, with different producers and fully finance the film and um, make some changes creatively to, to do that and they saw it one way and I saw it oh you don't need to do that. I can make that for you in the way that you want, and that's how it worked. So sometimes and that here happens. Here you are, and here we are. <laughs> no, I, I think it's important. Like what Mandy's talking about is like you have those conversations early on and get to the heart of like, okay, what about this before you even start going out and fundraising? Like, what's the heart of this movie? You know, what are the elements that if you lost them, the movie wouldn't be the movie? Mm-hmm. And you, if you can decide upon those things and work together, because this is a business, right? And directors have to be involved in that business. It costs a lot of money to make movies. I mean, it's the one art form that it, it's the most expensive art form there is. And, and so everybody who's working in it is a part of that business. And so you have to understand those concerns. Hopefully they don't overtake the vision of the movie, right? So if you can decide on those things together and say, look, we're going to have to strip, we're going to have to pare back some things because on every movie, even if it's a hundred million dollars, you're going to have to pare back some things to fit within the budget and the, and the, and the realities of making the movie. And if you can decide on those things together, then hopefully you're going into something. And if you find pushback at that stage, then, and, and, and if there's an unrealistic vision for what the movie is or, or, you know, what the budget can be, then you have to, yeah, you have to step away or, or get to the bottom of what that, you know, what that conflict is. I was just going to say, I mean, I think so much of it is, you know, it's making creative space for, these directors, right, and the and the filmmakers, and at the same time being transparent. I mean, I think as producers, you know, we're always trying to protect creative teams, but we sometimes do that to the detriment of information, right? And and the more we can share that that doesn't make them feel anxious, right? Like they don't need to know every single thing, every single fire that's happening, but there are ways that you can communicate like the challenges that you're having on a production side or a financial side um, and and help make them part of that decision-making process so that then they feel like we're collaborating in this together, right? And I think, you know, this is Matt's first film and he's took him six years to make it. And, And what he said this week when we landed in Park City was, he goes, 
it is amazing that every single one of the people, the producers on this film was making the same movie as me. He's like, I just feel so lucky. And, and it's true. I mean, it doesn't happen all the time, you know, but when it does, it just makes making those hard decisions that much easier. Yeah, I think there's like a dance to it, I think, where it's like what you're saying, like we have to sometimes like protect the creative team. But at the same time, like you do need to be honest with them and kind of make that decision like, hey, I know you really want this steady cam for like 15 days, but that's really going to end production much sooner than you think. Mm-hmm. And you kind of have to be honest with them and, and trust them that they'll be honest with you. And, you know, if the director, or the writer or director is like, married to an idea i tried to find a solution for it and i'll tell them like hey you're gonna lose this on one end of it you know and if you're okay with that we can make it happen and i think you know especially when you have a limited budget that's kind of like the dance i think this podcast is sponsored by Rode microphones the australian pro audio powerhouse making incredible gear for podcasters vloggers filmmakers and musicians Rode is at the vanguard of innovation audio solutions for podcasters offering groundbreaking products like the roadcaster pro the world's first fully integrated podcast production studio and PodMic, the ultimate podcasting microphone find out more about how road can help you cut through the noise at road.com forward slash podcasting that's r-o-d-e.com forward slash podcasting this podcast was also sponsored by small hd real-time confidence for creatives Founded by a group of independent filmmakers, Small HD has been innovating the on-camera and production monitor industry for an entire decade. It started by creating the first ever HD monitor that could sit on top of a DSLR. Today, it has products like the 703 Bolt, which has an integrated wireless receiver and a daylight viewable screen. Small HD is in the business of providing real-time confidence for creatives. With an extremely wide range of field monitors, Small HD prides itself on durability and usability. Whether it's paired with a mirrorless camera during a wedding or used for a video village in Hollywood, Small HD has a monitor for every production. Powerful software tools, a unified user experience, and premium display quality help make Small HD monitors the industry standard. Stop wondering if you've nailed the shot. Start having more confidence at the camera with Small HD. On camera and production monitors starting at just $299. For more information about Small HD products, go to www.smallhd.com. Yeah, I kind of want to talk a little bit now about festivals and distribution platforms because that's changing a lot. It's changed a lot in the last few years. And maybe this time we'll go back around because I want to really hear everybody's input on this. I think it's really valuable in general. Obviously, distribution models have changed a lot. What role does Sundance play in the future of distribution for the project you have here? Do some of them have distribution? How do you find with all these platforms? Like, what is your relationship to that process and what insights can you offer? Well, we were completely shocked to get into Sundance, uh, obviously. And so it kind of changed the way we thought about distribution. Like my expectations are completely thrown out the window and we started to get a lot of attention that I didn't anticipate. And, you know, we just been, for us, since it's our, it's like kind of a new way of doing things from what we're used to, we're taking it day by day and, and you know, we have a sales agent. We haven't uh, gotten distribution, you know, just yet, but like we're open to, you know, offers and, you know, we... Did the sales agent come on after the Sundance? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, it's funny. They were talking to us before uh, that, the particular company we went with, but then, you know, WME emailed us, CAA, UTA, everybody started emailing us and, you know, we spoke with them and we figured out what was the best option and then... You know, for us, it was a matter of who we want to be doing business with in the long run. And when you said with Sundance, you were looking for premier status with Sundance. That was like the top, top goal. Yeah. Submissions. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not that it needs to be said. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, yeah. Okay. And Yuri? I think uh, Sundance is a great platform for showing your movie. That means my suggestion would be to anybody whoever gets into Sundance not to sell it before. Uh, even if you get an offer that you made money on, not to, because there is a chance that if the the movie is perceived well here and the the premiere is good, then the sky's the limit. Uh, and uh, many examples of of past Sundances. I think that it's a very, I think it's one of the best 
place to to have a movie because the crowd really appreciates uh, the content and um, buyers come in and they see the reaction of the crowd and it's a favorable crowd because you can invite all your friends <laughs> and um, and I think so that that's the best thing uh, if you can get into Sundance this is the best festival in the US for indie indie movies uh, we have a sales agent uh, John Sloss he I think uh, lives in Sundance uh, <laughs> And did that happen before? That Sundance? happened before. Yeah. It happened on both of my other movies. Um, in every movie I say, I will never work with him again. And I work <laughs> with him again. And that's what producers do. glad you do. mentioned my name. <laughs> no, it's okay. He knows. It's, it's, and he, he's still around and he's very good. So uh, he's doing something very good. But I, I really appreciate um, having him because he knows the changing market. So he knows what's, who, who is coming, when to do it, when to make the sale. But I think... Um, having it in Sundance in this festival in the US I think it's the best festival uh, you can present yeah, your movie I think a lot of people don't recognize that there's a producer many producers and then there's a sales agent <laughs> that's a whole other thing that happens if you get to that level yeah um, I mean kind of tackle that though distribution models have changed through all the turmoil through all the change uh, Sundance has remained a great platform probably the best platform in the United States to premiere film and, and especially for um, discoveries of new talent uh, and a part of that is because they keep the competition fairly small uh, in comparison to other festivals um, and it's just a matter of the town itself like you're talking about it's like you know all these people come into this tiny town park city and it's super crowded it's we not always get the, the flu <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's not always the most comfortable place but some something about being at this high altitude, being around all like your whole community and all the enthusiasm and everything, it seeps into the film itself and, and into the market, which is really fantastic. Of course, every and and the the narrative about who's buying what always shifts, but that I think that remains the same. Um, we're also working with Synetic, with John Sauce's company, the Venerable Synetic, <laughs> and uh, and you know he's been great. And, uh, it's been a great great process so far. John Sloss. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, we, we have anything else to say about him? You know, we haven't premiered yet, so okay. you know, yeah. come back to me, you know, next week, and I'll, maybe I'll have a different story. But no, 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 they're uh, they're great. Yes, I think that Sundance is one of the best, if not the best, festival to show your movie, certainly for North American distribution. I think Toronto rivals it. I'm a former, I'm a Torontonian by background, so I, I, I also think Toronto is a really good place to show your movie. But I think those are the premier ones. And I've personally had a lot of success getting distribution at Sundance. It is definitely um, a wonderful place to showcase your film, premiere it. Do your two films here have sales agents yet? Or where are they in their process? Domestic sales agents? Yeah, we have an international sales agents and domestic sales agents, just to complicate things <laughs> even more. Both of them do. Uh, we have, th on the domestic side, um, one is represented by CAA, and the other, and that's Black Bear, and the other, Four Good Days, is represented by CAA and WME. Mm. Does that have anything and, to do with the talents involved? It does. Yeah. One, uh, oftentimes if your director comes from WME, it, yes, exactly. And then your stars, in this case, you know, um, Mila Kunis and Glenn Close, obviously rep by CAA, and Rodrigo Garcia, was the director, was repped by WME. That became a co-rep situation, and uh, we were invited to... Uh, agree to that um <laughs> we didn't have very much choice in other words um but uh, we have great relationships with them and it's fun to see them work together and not separately so <laughs> that's also been lots of fun to answer your original question i think there's been more buyers coming on the scene than ever before i think that's a wonderful thing for filmmakers i think that's a wonderful thing for the community and for new emerging filmmakers there's more outlets than ever before. So the variety and kind of movie, I think there's a place to distribute. Where it, whereas oftentimes if you didn't fill a certain niche, you know, of what Focus was looking for or Lionsgate was looking for, you may not have gotten distribution. And now there's digital platforms, many of them, and they're competing against each other. And it's a, a very different world. And they all are looking to fill pipelines for the most part. 
Um, but I think it's it's about finding just like finding the perfect producer, finding the right producer, finding the right partner that you think will platform your movie properly, whether that's theatrically or or otherwise. So, I mean, I'll echo everyone talking about Sundance as, as a premier place to premiere films, which I completely agree with. Um, but I will also say it is not the only place. And I think that, uh, what is it? I think like, right, the Safdie brothers never got their films into Sundance. I mean, there's a lot of talented filmmakers that found um, their outlets elsewhere. So I also just feel like I want to say that for people that cannot get, I yeah. was fortunate at the beginning of my that career. That was going to be part of my follow-up. Yeah, well, I was going to say there's a <laughs> we'll lot of people, like, I, I was able to start my career coming to Sundance many years in a row. And then you know what? Then I didn't. And then a whole bunch of films didn't. And Tribeca, South by Toronto, all these other festivals came. It really depends on your film and the filmmakers and the style. Some films feel very natural and right for Sundance. And some, it's just different. It, it, it just, I don't want to feel like it's like a death sentence that if you didn't get into Sundance, that it means that your film won't sell because that's not the case. And um, like you're saying, there's a lot more buyers now, and there, and which is only good for us that opens up a lot of doors and again I'm like really happy and I agree with uh, with her like it's so to come in kind of free from all that and, and really take advantage of this platform because it is um, so powerful and does lend a lot and we're working with um, Endeavor content as well as for sales and um, I'll say I didn't have the uh, I didn't have any obligations on this film as far as who to work with we were pretty open and free which was really nice were able to make a choice just based on real and and with and film constellation as well who had like read the script early on and were super supportive and wanted to be in uh, on the international side and wanted to be involved in any way shape or form and we were able to just kind of go with this dream team of people that just want to be there and support the film and were so enthusiastic which was been really great yeah i mean i you know i think docs are some of the most amazing, passionate films here at the festival every single year, you know? And so getting a documentary uh, here to premiere is, you know, it's, it's one of the, it, I mean, it's the top of the top in the sense of like where you could, you know, launch. Having said that, you know, there are more people making docs than ever before. There are more filmmakers than ever before. There are more submissions every year. It's like every year is a record-breaking year. So you have a better chance of winning the lotto than you do at getting into Sundance <laughs> So sometimes. we should all buy lottery yeah. tickets right, right now. Exactly. Right. You guys all won yeah. the lotto. Yeah. Right? Um, but it, it, it sets you up to have the best chance for sale. Having said all that, I came here two years ago and I left without one. And I am blessed to have a producing partner who worked in distribution, in, in you know um, hybrid distribution for a long time. And she knows how to put together a day and date theatrical. She knows how to work with streaming platforms and, and, and we know how to just uh, you know, put a you know, put a distribution plan together. And we, and we did that for inventing tomorrow. Um, and you know, and it, and it worked well. I mean, it wasn't what we intended to do. Um, but having that knowledge gave us power. And I think that, you know, we need to share more of that and, and, you know, to filmmakers who don't come out of here with a sale or go to other places. That's right? kind of where I want to follow up and we'll just go back around that way because, um, a lot of people don't realize that getting into Sundance doesn't mean you get distribution. <laughs> There's a lot of movies here. Um, a lot of people also make movies that don't go to any of these top festivals. Like this is one of the very, very top. But there, and there's quite a few top festivals and some films don't get any and can still get distribution, right? So I think I want to talk a little bit about as producers. So say you have a project and you're not in one of the major festivals. What are the distribution plans? What, what How do you approach it from there? And what kind of would you advise filmmakers to do i mean i think that it, if if you're not able to premiere at sundance or maybe you know tribeca or some of the other bigger ones um, which aren't as much of a market but at least have some sort of you know yeah. cachet value um i mean I, I think it depends on the film and it depends on you know if you can get a sales agent and if you can't get a sales agent how you know what are your platforms can you post it can you put it up on you know on amazon prime can you you know carve out little, you know, other little avenues that you can, you know, make money. And honestly, you can like, if you have a festival film that's really good and, or at least like a, a, a crowd pleaser, you can play festivals for a couple of years and make money off of it. And I, we've been doing that. Our film is about kids and um, we were able to do that with, you know, with Inventing Tomorrow. Talking about how everyone has a role and how it's a real team effort and everyone really matters in this. I'll say the sales agent um, really does matter. And I do I've had 
positive experiences. And it's a conversation that I'll start earlier in the process because I'm always thinking about where the film is going to end up. I mean, from reading the script, I'm thinking about where this might end up. And it's throughout the process, something not necessarily like going out to buyers, but just feeling that, you know, when you're building something where that it will where that audience will be and and how to make sure that we're staying the course on how to get it there so having those conversations with the the sales partners um early on to hope that there's a partner there to help you and even if you don't get into any festivals you can do market screenings there's other ways to do it and like as we're talking about there's all these different buyers in different ways now granted even if you don't have a sales agent and there are many so it doesn't have to be only from these top tier again there are lots of people out there selling movies Um, but I do think that it's valuable to work with someone who has the relationships with the buyers internationally as well the U.S. is just one market. There is a big, wide world out there. So, you know, working with people on the international level as well to make sure that maybe it doesn't sell in the U.S., but there is a, you might find your audience in Australia or France or, you know, there's lots of other places to kind of work with. So I would echo that. Um, definitely the sales agent is very important. I I haven't worked without one, either someone on the foreign side or the domestic side. There are a lot of choices, but young filmmakers may not have the in to some of those folks. So it, that's why I think it's important to professionalize the process and bring on a producing partner that um, has that sophistication and that has the experience and that can lead them through some of those waters. But it, it's very essential to have professional team around you. The, the right lawyers and the right uh, we sales even agents. We have talked about lawyers. Yet. Yeah. Uh, I re- I'm a recovering one, so uh, I know far too many of them. But uh, it, it, it's very important. Uh, you know, I have relationships with buyers. Uh, I was, for example, at Apple yesterday. And, you know, but that doesn't mean that I want to be the one selling to them. So that's not my job. I don't think that's the best thing that I know how to do. And I think it is very important um, to have that professional um, element, um, the way that the focus, it's more the focus and the professionalism. And I think you can get in your own way if you try to wear too many hats. So I think that's very important to know where your strengths are. Yeah, producers wear a lot of hats. I think it's a good point also to reiterate that producers wear a lot of hats, but they have to be careful about having specialists and they don't wear too many because there's kind of like a separation of church and state at some point, right? Yeah, as producers, yeah, you have to delegate. I mean, that's the name of the game. It's like you have a huge crew or even on an independent film, you have a pretty large crew and you have to be able to trust the people that you're with and delegate as much as you possibly can. Overseeing everything, making sure that you you know what's going on, supervising it, but delegating. But uh, but as but to your question, well, I should say I've had really great experiences at, at other f- film festivals, like um, especially the Tribeca Film Festival. We sold a film called Blow the Man Down there last year to Amazon Studios. And uh, so I think I think the 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 um, common wisdom is that the market's kind of soft there, uh, certainly more than than Sundance. But I think you can you can get good uh, attention there for for the right films, and you can really sell um, you can sell films there too for good for, and get good deals. And uh, as far as oh, and I should also say I also am working with Film Constellation for international sales, and we're also premiering at the Rotterdam Film Festival for an international uh, for our international premiere on two on. Um, on uh wednesday yeah because they're they run concurrently now so uh and so it's really important uh like mandy is saying to focus to not to yeah to to look at the international markets too i think if your film um i haven't been in the position of having a film that hasn't got distribution out of a festival i have been in the position of you know when i started working um in film and and really started in earnest the first years that I was at Sundance around 2008, you know, the, during the financial collapse and the collapse of the DVD market, um, there were really terrible deals. It was a, the market was really trying to figure out what streaming wasn't a thing yet. And people were really trying to figure out what was going on. 
So you often had the bleak choice of make, getting a zero MG deal. In other words, the distributor wasn't putting any money up front um, or self-distribution. And so, you know, that was something that we had to face a lot. You know, I think self-distribution, unless you have a lot of money, like prints and advertising money, P&A, right, to, to distribute it, would it's, it's foolish. Unless you can raise that amount of money to take it on yourself would be very difficult. It would be very difficult, so... I can follow up on, on the last point that um, I think I don't know how you can do without Sundance because that's what I uh, all my movies. <laughs> but uh, seriously speaking, um, if you be, if you're a young filmmaker and you don't you have part of the puzzle and pieces is finding a producer, a sales company, uh, the agencies, talent. That's all part of what you're doing. But if you really believe in the filmmaker or you're a filmmaker and you believe and you can raise the money on your own then go for it. I mean, we did the Marjorie Prime, 100% equity. We had no sales agent attached. Everybody, CAA, everybody jumped, wanted to, to be the sales agent. We said no, because we believed we had a good movie. I don't know if that was wise at the time, but uh, that's what we did because we could. So if you can make the movie and then try to find distribution, it's a big risk. But if the movie is good, then the sky's the limit. Then you hold all the cards. So that would be my uh, advice to a young filmmaker is find a sales agent up in the beginning, show your worth of what you can do, either a script or a story or, or what have you, or shorts that you made, and then then go and try to find a distribution up front. And if you can't, that's not the end of it. And if you can't go to Sundance, that's not the end of the world. Because if your movie is good, people will see it and jump on board afterwards. Yeah, I think I completely agree basically with what everyone is saying, but I think I'm mean, this is my first time working with a sales agent and I am loving it because <laughs> it's definitely it's good to have someone that you can trust that is an expert in their field knowing your limitations like, you know, if you're a really good writer and, you know, finding the right producer, the right director, you know, sometimes it might not be easy, but you just keep looking until you find it, but I think there is no bad outcome if you can't find those people. Because if you make the movie, if you were able to get it done, you know, there is a place for it somewhere. You know, even if you, if it's, you know, literally your last option, but you put it up on, on Prime now, people can watch it, you know, and like you can make, you know, some money off of it if they're renting it, they're buying it. And, you know, who knows? I, you know, I have some shorts that I put up on there and, you know, it's, helped us a lot and you know we can show it to people and it looks good to have it somewhere better than nowhere you know it's the first time you're working with a sales agent yeah. and you trust him <laughs> yeah. I, I so far <laughs> no but i but, but i do want to say like I, on the sales agent the sales i'm not suggesting that the sales agent has to come on prior to making the movie like I, most of the films i've raised the financing without uh, any sales or anything like that it's more about in that sales process right. letting them you know, like, uh, you know, you're saying you have relationships with buyers. It's not about having the relationships with buyers as a producer. It's having the relationship with the buyers as a seller. And, like, yeah. that's really important. So I just wondering in the aftermath of when you have your product, you know, when you have your film and when you've made it and you've, you know, worked your ass off to have it, um, what is the best way to get it out there? And if you have to, sure. Yeah. There's ways to get it out there no matter what. I think the last thing, I really appreciate all the time everyone's taken. This has been really great. I think people can get a lot out of this. Um, and there's one more thing I want to ask just because it's become clear, and if it wasn't already because you're all here, that you are the kinds of producers that filmmakers want to be working with. How do filmmakers find producers like you? And I guess what I can, what the other side of that is, how do you find the filmmakers you work with? You mentioned it a little bit at the beginning, but like, like not just in the general sense, in the kind of personal sense. Yeah, for me, I mean, I like networking. I like meeting people and getting to know people. And, you know, I think, you know, if you can go to Sundance, if you can go to a film festival, even if your film, even if you don't have a film in there and you can just attend, people want to meet people and they want to get to know each other. And you can really click well with people. And, you know, I met a lot of people doing improv at like the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater, people that I want to work with in the future and that I'm currently working with. And, you know, I was able to like really connect with, people that are like-minded and I mean I also suggest Facebook there's like 20 Facebook groups for crewing up and for filmmakers and no film school is a good one this yes my <laughs> definitely do that exactly and, and I've, <laughs> I've met a lot of people through Facebook groups believe it or not that that have changed my life as a filmmaker 
Sundance is a, they have a lab they have many uh, places you can find but you go to the shorts and you see how the directors uh, so you have to know you have to learn and before and find uh, who are the right prospects for for us as a producers you have to have uh, great people working with you uh, it's a team effort so uh, our team we have Faye it's sitting here <laughs> and she goes and finds brilliant talent that uh, that she finds them before everybody else jumps on them uh, in the festival so uh, I think the, the festival is a good platform but there is a If you're around this industry, there's cocktails all the time, and there's a, the, all these union, the SAG, that you meet people. And when you hear and you know about a good uh, filmmaker, everybody goes, I mean, it starts when they, if it's a good filmmaker, uh, a good writer, people will, us seasoned uh, producers, will find him when he started to write, not uh, when he finished. So Most uh, of the projects come to us through this network of people that we work with, through the agencies, which I know that doesn't probably sound good to people who are just getting started because there are all these gatekeepers, but there, we, we always pay attention to the Sundance lab projects, IFP, um, you know, a lot of these organizations that, uh, that are supporting first time filmmakers and give, give the, give a stamp of approval to something, um, that makes us want to take a look, you know? And so I would say as much as you possibly can, you know, I mean, go out, just go out and be, you know, yeah, attend these events, but also submit your project to as many of those as possible. What about like screenwriting contests? Do any of you ever look at things that come out of those? The blacklist. Yes, absolutely. We, we have, have a number a, of blacklist scripts. We have Tailflick, which is a competing with blacklist. So okay. we get uh, we get a lot of uh, first time okay. uh, writers. But it's a uh, it's it, the script writers that are writing a script and it's good. People will find them. Yeah. It's uh, I, I think uh, it's a one easy. <laughs> Most of our projects come from the industry and also from our agents, managers, also our pre-existing relationships because, um, again, we're inside the machine of Brillstein Entertainment, too. We have talent. We have A-list writers, producers, um, a lot of A-listers, actors, directors, writers. And so we have a wealth of talent that sort of comes. But um, we always pay attention to filmmakers that are doing exciting things either in now because there's so much cross-pollinization between platforms right we're able to now bring on a tv filmmaker into the world of feature films similarly with documentary filmmakers right there's there's i think a um i'm working with joe berlinger right now who's a wonderful documentarian we're just putting together a project we want someone that cuts through the clutter so that can be i've worked with a number of first-time directors paul haggis was one of them and he went on to i mean that went on to a lot of real accolades so we don't mind as a company as on the ochre side taking a chance on a on a first-time feature film director but they do have to have some experience because of the level of movies that we do But boy, do we want to find new and emerging voices and talent. But it does take, you know, taking someone working from passion, working from great storytelling. Um, obviously, if you, you know, you have a talent as a great writer, that always gets our attention. We're, we're always paying attention to great writers. Yeah, I mean, I would say <laughs> the unpopular uh, thing to say is that, yes, it is definitely industry. It is definitely agencies. It's definitely our own um, network. I, you know, have a large TV machine working within my company. So there's a lot of creators that we work with on the TV side that uh, we can make their movies, which is wonderful. But I will say, like, save yourselves. I mean, Alex and Eleanor through IFP. I will say that it's through, like, not to date myself right here, but in almost 20 20 years of making movies it's the first time I actually produce a project that I found through IFP but it happened and I'm so happy it did and um, a film I was here with last year at Sundance was um, they he had a short uh, at Sundance and then we made the feature version of it a film called Sound of Silence and I've worked with a lot of first-time filmmakers I will say that um, usually it's either a fantastic like it's all about the writing So it's all about a great script and all the different ways that that can happen, whether it's blacklist or, you know, lesser known different screenwriting competitions, as well as um, shorts, shorts, short, short, short filmmaking. So keep um, making shorts. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. have to I have to say there's a I really 
a hand, like a good amount of uh, first-time filmmakers that I work with. And Alex, actually, one of them, I watched a short. So yes, we met at IFB, but I watched a short and I was like, he's really talented. Let's make a movie. So the shorts did matter here. Molly Thompson called me and, and said, hey, you know, and I and, and just to be clear, like I had never actually worked with Molly before. This was the first project they, we had ever done together. But I had met her at Full Frame years and years ago. And then I would see her you know, at all the events. Um, so we had become friendly and, and, you know, she called me and she said, look, you know, Matt's a first time filmmaker. He needs a producer. I want you to meet him. I think, you know, you guys would get along and I think this is going to be a, a special project. And I met Matt and we did, we totally like, had a great conversation. I totally understood what he was going to do. And I thought, you know, if he does this, it's, it's going to be really special. But, you know, I've also been uh, sort of, you know, recommended projects. I'm working with two young female filmmakers right now in another doc that's in the talent forum this week. And they have been also working on their film for like five years since they graduated from college. And they were in McAllen, Texas before anybody was um, working um, on a story about the last abortion clinic there. And they are so passionate and so hardworking and so talented and driven. And, you know, and, and, as someone who now isn't at the front of my career, you know, I'm not in the early days of my career, but I see that and I'm like, I want to support that. I want to help people and, you know, help these, you know, filmmakers like get to the next level. Um, and that's, you know, just exciting. And, you know, also sometimes you watch films that you admire and, and look at producers and filmmakers that you respect. You know, after Inventing Tomorrow, we had a gentleman reach out to us from North Carolina who saw our film at full frame and was like, I have an idea. And, and he, you know, told it to us and we were like, you know what? We're going to develop that with you. That's a really great idea. And so, you know, we got a deck and we're ready to go. <laughs> well, I again want to thank all of you so much. I think it's really important for filmmakers to understand how producers work and how important they are to the process because if they don't it will be very hard for them to get their movies made and seen basically um so this has been great thank you all again for coming thanks for listening guys uh that was our producers roundtable hope you enjoyed it head over to nofilmschool.com for a post we have called what does a producer do where we also dive into this topic and cover some if not all of the things we talked about on the podcast today. Please also check out all of our Sundance coverage on the site. We covered some of the films that these producers did, as well as many others. We also have other roundtable podcasts from Sundance. They'll be coming to you in the future through everywhere you get your podcasts. And there's also some that are already up, including our editor's roundtable and some short film roundtables and i think we have a couple others out there one from new frontiers which is all about emerging tech and some of the cool stuff in vr and ar that we saw while we were in park city this year so keep coming back rate us like us comment let us know what you like or don't like or want or need or whatever thanks so much 